Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Good evening and happy New Year's. Tomorrow is January 1st and you are listening to the College Football Daily Bowl Preview Series. I'm your producer, Tani Levitt, and there are four bowls to preview today. First up are Zach Shaw and Travis Ryer with previews of the VRBO Citrus Bowl between Alabama and Michigan. Hello, my name is Zach Shaw from the Wolverine 24-7 podcast and the Michigan Insider, and I'm here to preview the Citrus Bowl matchup between Michigan and Alabama for the College Football Daily. To me, this is a fascinating game because I think it's a case studying what bowl games are in today's era. Neither of these teams had the seasons they wanted. There certainly isn't a title on the line, yet we're all still paying attention and are very curious as much as any game in the country other than the playoffs to see what happens. Why? Because it's two iconic programs that hate losing, it's two big-time coaches, and it's a chance for both teams to show something to the rest of the country. Alabama can show that it isn't going anywhere and that the season was a bit of a fluke. Michigan can score maybe its biggest win in 15, 16 years and show that it's still possible under Jim Harbaugh for the Wolverines to take that next step from good to great. As for the actual matchup, both teams' offenses seem like they have the edge and that they're going to have their way. So I'm really curious. To me, the X factors are on the defensive side of the ball. Can Michigan's undersized, shorthanded defensive line hold its own enough against Alabama's touted offensive line? Can the Wolverines get to Mac Jones like Auburn did, or will they be unable to contain the Crimson Tide's elite receivers? To me, the X factor for Michigan has to be the pass rush. On the other side, do the Crimson Tide have the playmakers to disrupt Michigan's rolling passing attack? How does Alabama cope with two starters sitting the game and others suffering injuries earlier in the season? The Crimson Tide limiting Shea Patterson's options uh, down the field and making maybe even snagging a pick or two will be critical. Ultimately, I think Alabama's size, strength, and speed is as good as anyone's in the country, And that probably decides the matchup. I predict Alabama 45, Michigan 34. If you want to hear more about the Wolverines, you can check myself and Steve Lorenz out at the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. And I'm Zach Shaw signing off. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com and host of the Built by Bama Online podcast, here to preview the 2020 Citrus Bowl between the 13th-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide and number 14 Michigan for the college football daily. So if you don't have a vested interest in either of these teams, why should this game be of particular interest to you? Well, we're talking about two of the top five winningest college football programs in the history of the sport. And this is a rubber match of sorts between these two elites having met four times previously on the gridiron, splitting those four games, two contests apiece. Three of the four have come in Florida Bowl games, two of those in Tampa, one back to cap the 1999 season at the Orange Bowl in Miami Gardens. So most of the interaction between these two teams has come in the postseason. That will be the case once again on New Year's Day afternoon at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. So Alabama offensively going to be a lot of the focus on the skill positions for the Crimson Tide. Obviously, Alabama with some good news in that Jerry Judy's going to participate in the game. 
Devontae Smith is going to participate. Henry Ruggs III's down there, ready to go. Jalen Waddle is that fourth receiver. So all the weapons on the outside that quarterback Mac Jones could want to have at his disposal will be in play on Wednesday. But the particular matchup that I'll be most interested in will be running back Najee Harris, who has been on a tremendous heater over the final two months of the 2019 campaign. The junior running back going against those Michigan inside linebackers. You saw what J.K. Dobbins of Ohio State was able to do against that Michigan defense in the regular season finale. 260 yards from scrimmage for Dobbins, 211 on the ground, 49 as a receiver. That's a similar skill set to the one that Najee Harris possesses. So Michigan will need to be especially good against number 22 for Alabama, or it may not even come down to whether or not Mac Jones is put into the position of having to really do a lot with his wide receivers. So that's a matchup to watch on the offensive side of the ball for Alabama. Defensively for the Crimson Tide, Potential there to have some struggles when you're talking about a unit that is missing starters at all three levels of that defense. Up front, D.J. Dale, the true freshman nose tackle, isn't expected to play on Wednesday. You had news to start the bowl practices on campus that Trayvon Diggs, the starting corner, would bypass the bowl as uh, uh, in, instead prepare uh, focus on the NFL draft. Terrell Lewis, the redshirt junior, likewise is bypassing the bowl. So you combine all of that, with the absences that Alabama has had throughout the season. And there's question marks. And it should be a defense that Shea Patterson, the Michigan quarterback, is a little more excited about seeing compared to his last go at the Crimson Tide when he was the starting quarterback for Ole Miss in 2017. In that game, uh, Shea Patterson threw two picks, no touchdown passes. So there you go. Getting you ready for the 2020 Citrus Bowl from the Alabama perspective. This was the College Football Daily Preview for the Citrus Bowl. And I'm Travis Ryer, hoping you have a great rest of your holiday season. Thanks, guys. From Tampa to Orlando, we stay in Florida for Brandon Marcello's preview of the Outback Bowl between Auburn and Minnesota. Hey, everybody. My name is Brandon Marcello. I cover Auburn athletics for AuburnUndercover.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. And I wanted to preview the upcoming Outback Bowl between the Auburn Tigers and Minnesota Gophers, one of the better, uh, probably bowl game matchups you're going to see uh, outside of the playoffs and, of course, the national championship game. Uh, a really underrated matchup, a matchup with a Minnesota team with 10 wins for the first time since 1905 against an Auburn team trying to get to 10 wins for the 15th time in team history and the second time in the last three seasons. So how do these teams match up? Man, it's there's some great matchups in this game. Uh, a, a lot of really good one-on-one matchups, but also just unit-to-unit. Unit. Uh, which strength is going to overcome other strengths between Minnesota and Auburn? Because there's some really good strength-against-strength strength type of matchups in this showdown. I want to start with Minnesota and their incredible offense, one that's been very, I think, underrated this season for what they've been able to do in the passing game with quarterback Tanner Morgan. The two receivers you have to keep an eye on, which will be discussed ad nauseum going into this game and, of course, on game day. 
are Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. These guys, both over 1,000 yards receiving, just absolutely incredible. Both have 11 touchdown receptions right now. Um, And get this, they both have broken the school record for receiving yards in a season. One did so last season, and then the other did so this season by breaking their teammates' record. So that kind of tells you a little bit about how P.J. Fleck has changed things quite a bit with that offense and what they've expect what expected out of them. And it's funny talking to Auburn players heading into this game, even two, three weeks beforehand. You know, when they're breaking down film, they don't know the names of players really. And every defensive player I spoke to, three to four of them, so what are you what are you looking at? And they said thirteen and six, and thirteen and six are Johnson and Bateman. Those are the two guys they're really really worried about going into this game, which will be interesting for Auburn because Auburn has faced some really good receivers at Alabama, Jalen Waddell, Henry Ruggs, the third, of course, LSU with Justin Jefferson, who's absolutely torn it up here uh, in the college football playoff semifinal against Oklahoma recently. So Auburn in a situation where its secondary is going to be tested once again, really for the you know two games in a row after they beat Alabama and now this one, this might be the best duo as far as just consistency um, and the difference that they provide. One one is a deep shot guy, one's an intermediate guy, and that's going to be something that really really tests Auburn's secondary and what's going to make make it very important for Auburn's defensive line to get pressure on Minnesota, which is you know uh, is going to be very crucial against Tanner Morgan, who has been phenomenal this season for the Golden Gophers. And, I mean, look no further than that Penn State game. I'm sure a lot of people watched um, throughout the uh, football season have seen the highlights of exactly what they were able to do. Um, It's incredible. Now, Minnesota's defense, on the other hand, uh, there's strong numbers nationally. Um, They're allowing 22.4 points per game um, at 312.8 yards. But even in that law, or excuse me, that win against Penn State, they allowed Penn State to get up to 518 yards. Wisconsin um, put up 453 yards against them, including 280 through the air, which you just don't expect out of Wisconsin. So there, there are some holes there. With this Minnesota defense, the thing is, though, Auburn's offense doesn't really electrify anything. Their best offensive game in the entire season was actually in the Iron Bowl. They scored 34 points offensively uh, in that 48-45 to win against the Crimson Tide. Twelve of those points were field goals. So this isn't an Auburn offense that scores a lot of, a lot of points. Um, so who wins that battle? I, I think that's a coin flip right now. Um, going into this game. You know, P.J. Fleck mentioned going into this one that Gus Malzahn has a great way of going about preparing for bowl games or after bye weeks because he starts breaking down tendencies and removes away from those tendencies as an offensive play caller, and it makes it difficult for them to prepare, uh, Minnesota to prepare for the Tigers. We'll see if that's the case. Auburn has only won two bowl games under Gus Malzahn in his seven years. They won last year. Um, uh, against Purdue in a 63-14 to blowout, but this is not going to be that. This Minnesota team is so much better than that Purdue team out of the Big Ten. Um, but watch out if, if you're looking for Purdue uh, defensive uh, players to look out for 
Jordan Howden at linebacker. He's got 55 tackles, six passes defended. Really good player. And then a player out of the SEC area, Coney Durr out of Baton Rouge. Keep an eye on that. This is going to be a great matchup. Like I said, uh, it's a lot of strength against strength. I think Minnesota's offensive line is very good. Auburn's defensive line is very good, obviously, with Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson, two NFL draft prospects, including Brown, who is probably going to be a top-five pick in the upcoming NFL draft. And then you've got <laughs> just a humongous left tackle, a 400-pound left tackle for Minnesota, who may or may not play in this game, by the way. He's still dealing with a knee injury. But they still have done a very good job on the Minnesota offensive line, going against that really good Auburn defensive line. But the, I think the key in this game for both teams is going to be Bateman and Johnson for Minnesota, that receiver, going against Auburn secondary, which has been tested a lot this season, but has also given up a lot of yardage through the air with guys like Noe Igbenogany, Javaris Davis at the corner spots, and seniors Jeremiah Denson and Daniel Thomas uh, at safety. Thomas, by the way, a little, a little additional nugget here as we close this out. Thomas, believe it or not, a Montgomery, Alabama native, was headed to Minnesota on signing day four years ago, and then Auburn swooped in and gave him a spot late, and he chose the Tigers. Rarely do Minnesota and Auburn get into recruiting battles, but in this first-time matchup between Auburn and Minnesota in their history, uh, Daniel Thomas is going to be closing out his career against the very team he was about to go play for until Auburn swooped in at the last minute. So some interesting storylines, amazing matchups. I think this has the potential to be a really great New Year's Day bowl game. Good stuff, Brandon. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Next, we fly to the West Coast for the Rose Bowl preview. Matt Prem has all you need to know about the matchup between Oregon and Wisconsin. Hello, my name is Matt Prem from the Odds and Audibles podcast and DuckTerritory.com. I'm here to preview the Rose Bowl between the Pac-12 champion Oregon Ducks and the Big Ten's representative, the Wisconsin Badgers, for the College Football Daily. The 2020 Rose Bowl is a rematch of the 2012 Rose Bowl, a game in which the Ducks won 45-38, and it wasn't decided until Russell Wilson's final pass of that football game, which happened to be the final play, fell incomplete. This year's Rose Bowl features two top 10 teams in number 6 Oregon and number 8 Wisconsin, and it features two teams who are evenly matched on both sides of the football, and both teams pride themselves on being physical in the trenches and playing stout, aggressive defense. The matchup to watch in this football game is going to be who can control the running game. The Badger offense starts and ends with running back Jonathan Taylor. The junior is second in the country with just over 1,900 yards alone on the ground this year. He's touted the Rock 299 times in 13 games, showing off that durability. He'll be facing an Oregon defense that's one of the best teams against the run this year. Opponents this season have averaged just 106 yards per game on the ground against the Ducks, 
which is 10th in the country. Neither team's defense has been easy to score on either this year. The Ducks are 9th in the country in points per game allowed at 15.7, and the Badgers are one spot behind them at 10th at 16.1 points per game, which means points this season in the Rose Bowl could be at a premium. If you want to watch this football game from an NFL draft perspective, there is a ton of NFL talent on both sides of the football. For the Ducks, senior quarterback Justin Herbert is a potential top 10 draft pick this coming spring, and his offensive line features the Outland Trophy winner Panay Sewell, who won't be draft eligible this year, but projects as a top 10 pick in next year's draft. Oregon senior offensive lineman Calvin Throckmorton and Shane Lemieux are draft eligible and project as mid-round draft picks as four-year starters. Wisconsin running back Jonathan Taylor is one of seven players in FBS history to reach 6,000 yards rushing in his career, and he enters the bowl game with 6,080 yards to his name, and he is projected as a first-round draft pick. Wisconsin junior center Tyler Biades was voted a unanimous All-American this season and won the Remington Trophy, given out to the nation's top center, Biedez is a projected late first-round draft pick should he declare for the NFL draft. Along the Wisconsin offensive line is also junior tackle Cole Van Landen, who is another potential early entry candidate in this year's draft. Wisconsin senior linebacker Zach Bond and Oregon senior linebacker Troy Dye are two names to watch who make plays for the respected teams, and both seniors are being viewed as middle-round draft picks. Oregon's defense also saw three juniors in Jordan Scott, Thomas Graham, and Diamade Lenore submit NFL draft paperwork and could be players who could go pro after this season. What could decide this game? Everyone knows Wisconsin junior running back Jonathan Taylor is going to get his numbers on the ground for the Badgers. He's just too good to stop. But what will really open up the Badger offense is if junior quarterback Jack Cohen can connect on some passes downfield and loosen up that Duck defense. In the Pac-12 championship game against Utah, the Ducks loaded the box to stop running back Zach Moss and dared Utah quarterback Tyler Huntley to beat them through the air. He couldn't, Utah's offense wasn't able to move the ball, and Oregon blew out the Utes to win the Pac-12 championship game. Expect a similar approach from Oregon's defense against Wisconsin, putting the pressure on Badger quarterback Cohen to loosen up the Duck defense. For Oregon, their X-Factor is going to be quarterback Justin Herbert. The senior quarterback from Eugene is a top 10 player in college football when he's playing at his best. But the problem is, he's been very inconsistent the last three weeks of the season. When Herbert is at his best, Oregon's offense operates at another level and is darn near impossible to stop. See Oregon's road game at USC in early November when Oregon went down to the Trojans' home stadium and blew out USC and scored 56 points to get the win. If Justin Herbert can't throw the football effectively down the football field, Oregon becomes a one-dimensional team, which plays right into the hands of the Badger defense. If you want to hear more about the Ducks, then you can check me out on the Odds and Audibles podcast. We release episodes three times per week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. This was the College Football Daily Preview for the Rose Bowl, and I'm Matt Prem signing off. Thanks, Matt. For our finale, we've got Jake Rowe down in New Orleans. Jake brought his headset down there just so that he could preview Baylor and Georgia for the College Football Daily because he's a legend. Take it away, Jake. Hi, my name is Jake Rowe from Dogs 24-7, and I'm here to preview the Sugar Bowl between Georgia and Baylor for the College Football Daily. 
When it comes to this matchup, there's there's a lot to unpack, and we'll start with Baylor, where where the Bears are going to have the services of Charlie Brewer. He has cleared concussion protocol and, and is ready to play in this game. Uh, for all intents and purposes, that's a huge development for the Bears, who at one point during the Big 12 title game were, were down a couple quarterbacks and, and, and were really trying to just get anything going offensively. Uh, having Brewer back, he's, he's much more experienced. He's, he's attempted 348 passes this season, 20 touchdowns to just six interceptions, uh, 2,950 yards, and, and he's going to have a big-time weapon on the outside. One of the most complete receivers Georgia's played this year and the Bulldogs have played a lot of good ones. Uh, Denzel Mims is is one of the best overall wideouts out there. Uh, he, he's a touchdown machine, has 11 this year, six foot three, 215 pounds, sprinter speed, and the kind of guy who can make a lot of 50-50 catches, a lot of balls that, that don't, he doesn't necessarily have to be open, and he can make those plays. Now, the Bears are also really good on the ground. Uh, no no you know, real elite rusher, not anyone that really kind of stands out to you. Nobody over, over, uh, 637 yards, but, uh, John Lovett and, uh, and, uh, Jamichael, uh, hasty have both averaged over six yards per carry this season. Uh, they've combined for 12 touchdowns. Brewer actually leads the team in rushing touchdowns with 10. He's, he's averaging a little less than two, two and a half yards per carry. Uh, but he is a threat to run the football and, and has been really good in the red zone for them. He's also attempting 10 rushes per game, which is also uh, the, the team high. But, but the Bears really are a defensive football team. And, and when you start talking about the defense, it starts up front uh, where where the Bears have been able to force more negative plays than than just about anybody on Georgia's schedule. That is the number one thing they do the best. And, and then uh, it's James Lynch. Uh, James Lynch, six foot four, 295 pounds, built like a defensive tackle, but plays more like a defensive end with his 18 and a half tackles for a loss and 12 sacks this year. Bravion Roy also has 12 tackles for a loss. Both of those numbers would lead Georgia this season. Then you add Terrell Bernard and, and Blake Lynch, uh, a pair of linebackers, that would also lead Georgia in tackles for a loss. They each have nine and a half apiece, and, and that's that's huge for them. And, and they also have a 3-3-5 defense that relies heavily on an active defensive front. It's supported by an active linebacker group. Maybe not quite as dangerous in the secondary uh, when, when you start talking about big-time playmakers, uh, but, but definitely dangerous up front. And those guys really make those behind them better because Graylin Arnold has six interceptions this year uh, and 118 return yards off of those. For Georgia, this game is really all about who's missing. And and Georgia's going to be without at least 15 players in this game, whether it's injuries, whether it's early entries to the NFL draft and guys choosing to sit out the bowl game because of their uh, because they're protecting their interest uh, as far as a professional level goes uh has some guys academically ineligible and, and for other reasons and that's going to be that's going to be big uh but you get the sense that those losses have galvanized the bulldogs coming into this game that it's brought them a little closer together it's allowed them to focus a little better maybe than they did going into the texas game last year the the spot where they've been hit the hardest is the offensive line they're going to have three guys who started at least seven games this season out uh, andrew thomas all-american left tackle isaiah wilson a big time right tackle both of those guys are leaving early 
Charlie and then Ben Cleveland, who who has dealt with some academic issues at the end of this semester. And that's going to keep him from playing in this game. And, and they're going to be tasked with taking on that Baylor defensive line. That is a big-time key matchup in this game. And then on the defensive side, obviously, Georgia's been one of the best uh, defensive teams in college football this year. And that matchup is going to be key because this game has all the makings of, of, of more of a low-scoring contest and one that, that you know maybe the first team to 20 uh, has the best chance to win. As far as X factors go uh, for Georgia, it, it's going to come down to whatever running back steps up because Brian Herring, the number two tailback for Georgia, is out. He didn't make the trip to New Orleans for an undisclosed reason. DeAndre Swift could miss this game as well. Uh, he's been battling a shoulder injury and only touched the ball five times in the SEC championship game. So you're looking for Zamir White or James Cook or Kenny McIntosh to really step up and, and take the reins of that running back position and run behind an offensive line that's rather inexperienced. On the defensive side for Georgia, I think you've got to look at the cornerback position, and, and I'm going to go with DJ Daniel there because he's he's more than likely going to have to be matched up on Mims, and, and he's Georgia's smallest cornerback, although he's long, uh, and that matchup could be key if, if that's what it comes down to. For Baylor, it's what happens up front. It's all about Lynch, and 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 if he can kind of be the disruptor, if he can kind of do some things to Georgia that nobody else has been able to do this year, it's going to give uh, the Bears a really good opportunity to win this game because uh, Jake Fromm hasn't been pressured heavily this year. Georgia's offensive line has been able to to really uh, you know hold it down there and and keep him from from being pressured and being rushed in the pocket. Uh, but but uh, there's just no doubt about it. Lynch has the ability to, to, to get there. And then on the offensive side, it's got to be Brewer. Uh, having him back, having his red zone presence there is, is absolutely huge. Uh, if you want to hear more uh, of what we have to say over at Dogs 24-7, uh, check out our Junkyard Dogcast uh, podcast. We record a couple times a week, and uh, we will be doing it throughout the offseason, throughout the season. But that has been our preview of the All-State Sugar Bowl between Georgia and Baylor. That's going to do it for today's College Football Daily Bowl previews. If you like what you heard from the guys, I put links to all their Twitter feeds and podcasts in the show notes, so be sure to check them out. And as craziest as this sounds, this is going to be the final episode of the College Football Daily in 2019. Thank you so much for joining us this season. We have a lot planned for you in 2020, and we can't wait to share it with you. But for now, we're bringing you bowl previews regular rundowns, and inside stories from the All-American Bowl in San Antonio. So if you like what you hear and you appreciate the volume of episodes, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give a five-star rating and review. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For Zach Shaw, Travis Ryer, Brandon Marcello, Matt Prem, Jake Rowe, our hosts Trey Scott and Connor Tapp, and the entire team over here at 24-7 Sports, I'm your producer, Tani Levitt, and we'll see you in 2020 with another edition of the College Football Daily.
Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.